Brooklands Radio believes your health matters. So I'm delighted today to have on the line with me Alexander McClellan. He is the Stoic Psychologist. Good afternoon, Alex. Good afternoon, Jill. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's really lovely to have you here. I think um, a good starting point for this interview is for you to explain to us all what is Stoicism. Yeah, for sure. So Stoicism, for those who don't know, it is a uh, it's a philosophy that originated in ancient Greece, probably around about 400, 300 BC, uh, and was one of the predominant sort of schools of philosophy and thought in um, most of sort of that that area of the world uh, up until kind of the rise of uh, the religions that we all know today. Hmm, okay. Um... And it's funny, isn't it? You hear that word mentioned so often, but what would you say to those who think it's a form of sort of coldness or snobbiness? Yeah, it's it's completely understandable why um, why people sort of associate the word stoicism or being stoic with this idea of being a little bit aloof um, or a little bit closed off or, or quite cold and um, perhaps over-the-top reserved. It's an odd kind of transformation of of the phrase uh, it also um, i think it, it probably arises from maybe a couple of misinterpretations or poor readings of some of the founding principles or core principles of stoicism but misses out an awful lot of its um wonderfully uh, empathetic and um warm and generous parts of it which was really um some of the most important parts of the philosophy that were kind of adopted i think by um, a lot of rising religions, Christianity definitely at the time. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was very common knowledge and it was um, absolutely part of the practice of Stoicism to, uh, for instance, practice things like um, intense empathy. You know, there was uh, lots of writings about the fact that you should treat even someone who is a complete stranger to you as someone who, um, with as much love and care and attention as perhaps, you know, someone, a member of your own family, mm-hmm. um, uh, charity work in terms of um, doing what you can to help those around you. Uh, there was an awful lot of generosity uh, and warmth within the philosophy that I think is the foundation, the foundation of a lot of it, and why it was perhaps so useful uh, for the time, and why perhaps it can be useful for people to to bear in mind every now and then. Now, um, so mm. I think I think it's it's just a. I think it's perhaps just the passage of time, um, you know, as, and as philosophies age and change and new, new philosophies arise and take bits from the ones that have come before it and before, you know, it, the, the word meanings change and, and that's why we're left with the current rather, um, rather sort of depressing uh, meaning of the word stoicism mm. when, when the original philosophy was so rich and, and varied and, as I say, quite warm. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you because um, when I was sort of researching this, I love, and, and it's one of my philosophies of life, is to focus on what's important and under our control. It's mm. not wasting thoughts or time on things that you can't affect. And and I have many, many discussions with my husband on this because I don't want to watch the news because I feel if something happens and I can help, even if it's with a donation, I will hear about it. But I don't want to hear depressing things in the, in the news that I can't do anything about. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I have a very similar outlook. And in fact, I think that was one thing which came out, you know, when the coronavirus crisis first 
started rearing its head. I think lots of people um, found very quick to, you know, found very quickly that um, uh, compulsively or, or excessively checking the news cycle, mm. um, because of course the news is so available, and, and um, it, it's, it's often the case that we 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 hear the most. Um, uh, perhaps the most headline we, we hear the headlines we, mm. we hear the things that kind of make the headlines we hear the, the fantastical numbers and and the terrible cases and it is more rare it's it's in a it's in a, the, the balance between perhaps the positive and the negative is slightly skewed and i think it i think it was the case early on i know it's definitely the case in my household where i live mm-hmm. um but you know the the more one checked the news the 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 more sort of the more stress there was or, yeah. or the greater the anxiety, the greater the fear there was. Uh, yeah, the Stoics were big on that in the sense of, you know, you, when, you, when, you, when you kind of let go of everything that you can't control and you just focus on, okay, well, what is it that's really important? Um, what is it that I can control? Well, I can control the way I think and the way I respond to things and I can control my actions and my behaviors and um, the rest of it. I, I can't have any direct control over this, so I, so I need to keep an eye on it and I need mm-hmm. to think how how I can best respond to it and help those who I love and those around me. Um, but ultimately, it's respecting the limits of your control. And as you say, you know, if, if it's something that you can control, uh, more often than not, I think you become aware of it or um, it, it finds its way to you um, or, we, or, or we go out and we seek it out. But then if it's out of our control, um, it's, it's quite a lovely thing to be able to go, well, I can let that go yes. to an extent. I can let my desire and my need to control that go. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's good. Um, being stoic can help us survive and endure many of our life experiences. And as you say, COVID at the moment is, is a huge one. Um, how might we be able to use some of the principles from stoic philosophy for, for our own better well-being? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. Uh, I think whether you're using it in the context of OK or with the COVID pandemic or, or actually just anything in general, we've, we've discussed, you know, we have discussed the best, the best one, which is understand what you can control and understand what mm. you can't control. Um, and when you get down to it, all we can control is the way we think and the way we act. And that means, you know, what other people are, I'll, get, I'll give you an example, you know, my, um, where I live, uh, obviously it's, it's mandatory for people to wear um, perhaps face coverings on public transport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, soon, soon will be in shops, but of course every now and then you see someone who isn't wearing a face covering on public transport, and that can be uh, that can be perhaps quite intensely frustrating. And you might find yourself thinking about it or getting wound up about it. You mm-hmm. might start making up all these stories. Oh, they're irresponsible. They're this. They're that. Um, but of course, I can't control what they're doing. I, I can't control. Um, any of their situations in their life that's led them to that place. So it's a wonderful thing to be able to go, well, you know what, I can't control how they, what they're doing, but I can control how I respond to it. Mm-hmm. So I can either keep on telling myself this story about how they're irresponsible and they're thoughtless and they don't care about other people. And instead I can just think, well, actually, you know, I have no idea about their backstory or where, why they are where they are now. But what I can you know, control is make sure that I still you know, keep my face covered. I still make sure I wash my hands. I still make sure I follow all the guidelines. So that's the first one is understanding what's called the dichotomy of control. You know, you, you, you shift your attention and you focus on those things that you can control. Mm. So namely the way you think and the way you act. Do you um, know, so, oh yeah? that's such a good point, isn't it? You mm. can move to another carriage at the next station. Yeah. Um, it is frustrating when you see them, but it may be that they've already had it and they know they're immune or they, you know, under 
what we believe at the moment they're immune. Um, and I know when I see people who are being really stroppy or, you know, not being very nice, and I always say to myself, you don't know what's happened in their lives in the last couple of days. It's mm. easy to get just to stroppy back with them, but it's better to just hold off, move away, be the bigger person and, and um, you know, just just leave them alone, really. Well, exactly. I, there is a wonderful quote from Marcus Aurelius, who's one of the most famous Stoic philosophers, and, and through one of his his personal journals, that uh, a lot of the kind of the knowledge of the philosophy has uh, remained. Um, but he said, you know, if you find yourself bothered by anything, it is not the thing itself that pains you, but it is your judgment of it, mm. and this you have the power to revoke now. And that can be quite a jarring thing. And, and of course, that that one thought ended up becoming the foundation of um, rational emotive behavior therapy, which then became CBT, which is one of the most used talking therapies in the world today, mm. not just the UK. Um, and it's that sense that whenever there is something that bother us, bothers us, so that could be someone not wearing face covering, it could equally be um, an argument we're having with a partner, or it could be you know, a, a, an action that somebody has taken um, in the street or in the mm. workplace, and we start, uh, we find ourselves getting frustrated or angry or worried or upset about it and it's an ability for us to go well actually what's happened here is an action has happened out there in the world and i have i've, I've constructed a narrative and a story about what it is and about what it means for me and who i am in the world um and it's that one stoic thought and principle that says well maybe i can change that story maybe i don't have to maybe i don't have to add that to the litany of other things that this person has done to um upset or offend mm. me in the last year and again it's it's just in it's giving you that ability to to really let things go mm. um when they're outside of your sphere of control yeah yeah can you can you tell us sort of in a nutshell what does good mental health look like i think that's a really um interesting question uh, so and I, I get asked this a lot actually um now obviously as not a yeah I'm not a, uh, a clinical psychologist, and but I think pretty much anyone who um, has studied psychology to any kind of level and, or has worked within the mental health industry, I think I, I don't think it'd be too much to say that good mental health looks like having a having a relatively normal um, experience of emotion. Obviously, nothing that is too debilitating. Um, but I think one thing I'd really like to say, or we should really be looking um, to promote more, is that it's actually completely normal and fine to get worried or anxious or stressed or sad or um even angry sometimes you know we're not made to be perfectly happy all the time or perfectly motivated or perfectly confident or perfectly serene and calm and i think um that's sort of a bit of a mistake that people make sometimes is thinking that well we have to be happy and motivated and driven um every day and actually you know what it's perfectly fine to be sad it's perfectly fine to be um angry it's perfectly fine to be happy it's perfectly fine to um be a bit lethargic and feel like a pjj sometimes yeah. like, all of this is absolutely normal yeah. um and uh, so good mental health for me is is understanding that and understanding that you know we're allowed to be a little bit we're allowed to be a little bit um, off kilter from time to time. You know, that's absolutely fine. Um, and good mental health is being able to be that little bit off kilter, but then most importantly, bounce back or keep um, or keep on moving or keep on keeping on, if you know what I mean, yes. um, throughout it. that I suppose that sense that's on those, um, you know, you, as, I, I didn't like those keep calm and carry on posters, but I think the carry on part is quite a, it's quite a good part. It's, it's quite, it's quite a, 
um, a good thing to aim for. It's perfectly fine to have all manner of range of emotions and you can take a little bit of time to get over your sadness, your anger, your worry if you need to. Um, But as long as you bounce back from it, the bounce back for me is good mental health. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's, we're all entitled to a pity party every now and then, (laughs) I always say to people, Um, but just keep it short because you Mm. don't want to just sink deeper and deeper and deeper. You need to be able to come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. The the bounce back. Yeah. The bounce back is important, isn't Mm. it? Well, we are running out of time, Alex, Um, but maybe you can give us some way that people can contact you if they want to know more. For sure, yeah. If people want to uh, know more about uh, who I am, what I do, stoicism, and how it might be um, useful for good mental well-being, I'd say um, they can send me an email, which is alex at the stoic psychologist dot com. Um, there's other sort of resources and things like that. I'm happy to send people. Um, uh, anyone can feel free. Brilliant, brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for talking to us today. No, thank you. Thank you. That was Alex McClelland. And uh, he is the Stoic Psychologist. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters.